Beautiful too much. I'll go ahead and start. But that was beautiful, Paul. Thank you. That was beautiful. Um, good morning. How's everybody? Cool. So I'm um, going to start a little different. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of worship. So I just want you to sit back, rest in God for the next five minutes or so. Enjoy his presence. I believe his presence is going to speak to you. It may not speak to you. It may just put you at ease. But just receive as these guys play up here. If there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. 
center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. I will adore you. I will adore you. of lightning rolls of thunder sing in honor strength and glory and power be to you the only wise King and holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. I will adore, I will adore. word for our church our village our team our family our group it's from the song of Solomon it's adapted from the song of Solomon this speaks to our body this speaks to where we have been where we are and where we're going I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth as you longed for more of me. So fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. For my passion is stronger than the chains of death and of the grave. All-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this unrelenting fire of love over your entire being. Over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame of love. Endless floods will be unable to quench this fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed and it will stop at nothing. As you yield everything to my love until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. So this is where we're going because we're getting to know him better by getting to know ourselves better. For we are him and he is we and we are him and he is we and we are one. Zach, if you can put up the first scripture. Good morning, again. Father, I just ask that you use me. Make me relevant 
make me on time, make me on cue, keep me in step with your Holy Spirit, God. I lay down all of my ideas. I lay down all of my thoughts that are not your thoughts, God. I ask that you bring such a joy into our family today, God. Such a hope. Such a refreshed breath of life, God. That we will rejoice in you, Lord. So the title of the message is A Tale of Two Cups. It came to me probably like about six months ago. Really wanted to do it back then, but it just wasn't time to do it. And what I want to do is read you a scripture. I'm going to read from the screen. And then, Zach, after this one, if you put the, ones from, the one from Romans up right after I finish this. This is David speaking. Now, David, in Psalm 22, he prophesied the death of Christ a thousand years before it happened. At the end of his psalm, he talks about soldiers casting dice for his clothing. And he prophesies basically the difficulty and the um, pain that Jesus would take upon himself. His choice. What shall I render to the Lord, David says in Psalm 116, for all his benefits toward me? How can I repay him for all his bountiful dealings? Could you ever really repay God? David then thinks, I will lift up the cup of salvation and deliverance. Now that word salvation, it means rescue and it means safety. The actual Hebrew word is Yeshua that word for salvation. And he will call, he says, I will call on the name of the Lord. Now, Zach, if you could put up the next scripture from Romans. Now, I want to jump out of there and I want to get into the New Testament because it's the same word. From Paul writes, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation, rescue, safety, and deliverance to everyone who believes first to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. Now, if it's titled The Tale of Two Cups, I want to kind of have us talk about or look into the first cup and see exactly what's in that first cup. So as I prayed on that and I looked it over, there's so many things in that cup. That cup of rescue, that cup of safety, that cup of deliverance. There's so many things in there. But as I continued to pray, the thing that stayed on my heart was Newness of life or oneness with God. It's something that we've touched on. It's something that we've spoken a little bit about. It's something we're bringing actually a team of people in in May to teach on and to speak on. But for me, I'm not saying anything about me. It was my situation. I had to come in contact with much more of these scriptures probably about five or six years ago. And uh, I had been, I'll get to that in a few minutes, but I had been transferred. I was in Martins at the time. We used to be Ucrops, and I was transferred from one location to the other. And I was transferred to the um, store that was falling off the cliff at the time, so to speak, in the corporate world. And that whole environment brought about a greater understanding of what I want to talk about a little bit today. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, but just enough. Now, there are teachers in the body that we have. And teachers are to equip us and mature us and help us grow closer to God. 
And Zach, if you can put, uh, we got a guy coming in Maine named Chris Blackaby. Zach, if you can put the quote up about him. I listened to a lot of Chris because the leadership meeting started having some videos about Chris and about newness of life and oneness with God. And this is one that I pulled out of there. It said, how impressive is Jesus? That's just how impressive you are too. And he also said, live according to your faith, but know who you are. And as I began listening to Chris, and then we took the youth up to Northern Virginia, we attended a conference up there, and Heidi Baker was speaking up in Northern Virginia. First thing she came out and talked about was, who are you? That's how she addressed the group. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know the oneness, which is where she went to with him for that? So if you can put up the quote from Graham Cook, I'm going to read it. This helps us understand oneness on a level outside of the scripture, and then I'm going to get into the scripture to support oneness and then share my own experience on oneness. And then ultimately, uh, we'll get to the point of the message because this isn't the point. So from Graham Cook, we do not work on our old nature. We leave it in the grave. We embrace our new nature in Jesus by establishing his righteousness internally, by using every situation made available to us as we practice being alive to God, we will be encouraged and we will be energized by his nature, not by our old habits. Our old nature is dead in Christ. God does not see what is wrong with us because he nailed all those things to the cross and he has no desire to talk about them, resurrect them, fellowship about them, or even spend time with them. He killed it. He killed that nature. He just, he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go there. So, and that's a tough one to swallow, but I'll show you scripture for it too. So anyway, he only sees what is currently missing from our experience of Jesus. And the father is deeply committed to that ongoing experience by the power of the indwelling spirit in us. God is focused on our new nature in Jesus, which means when he puts his attention on a part of our life, that is not fully functioning in relationship with him, he's actually pointing to the site of our next upgrade in Christ. God has no bad thought toward us, only a desire to see us conform to the image of Jesus. Our new nature creates a new realm within that overcomes the pressures of the external world. Even our emotional stress is a byproduct of a life that will be helped by looking more to Christ within the Prince of Peace must take up residence. Now it is the work of the Spirit to take what belongs to Jesus and then make it real to us. We see that in John 16, 15, which we'll get to. As we partner with that process, we learn to live our lives in all the character and attributes of Jesus. Now that's, that's a mouthful, but in the same stroke, when we look at Scripture, we can see that, if I find my note on the scripture, hold on just one second. Zach, if you can put up John 16. This will go a little bit slow. Thanks, man. <laughs> he just told me to put my mic up. <laughs> so in John 16, if you guys can put that one up, it's Jesus, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. 
If it can come up, that's good. If it doesn't come up, that's good too. I can still read it for the sake of time. It says in John 16, 14 and 15, he will honor and glorify me, the Holy Spirit. He will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine, and he will then reveal, declare, and disclose it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take the things that are mine, and he will, he will reveal them, declare and disclose, and transmit them to you. Now, we all kind of know that. But point being, your new nature, the very person who you are, the person who, when you receive the Spirit of God, that's what was put in you. You weren't just David and Jesus, and I know you know this, but Jesus was put in you, dropped right in there. It's all there. The full Godhead, it's all there. But what, what, what does that all mean? We'll, we'll, we'll get there slowly but surely. Now in Galatians 2.20, if you guys can get that up, this is what Paul writes. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ, and it no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life, it is no longer mine. For the anointed one, or Jesus Christ, lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. And listen to this. And he dispenses his life into mine. To dispense. A little bit at a time. Dispense, 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 dispense. That'll tie in further down the line, too. One of my more favorite ones is Romans 6. Romans 6, 3 and 4, the Passion Translation, it reads, Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the Anointed One, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. So that's scripture and that's some teachers in the body. There's other people. Paul wrote it 2,000 years ago. Kenneth Copeland taught on it in the 80s. Um, Curry Blake, John G. Life Ministries, John G. Lake Ministries, he started teaching on it about the turn of the century into 2000, 2005. Now I'm going to share my experience. So I got transferred from, well, I'll start here. I was asked to run one of Martin's stores. They were closing it down, Sycamore Square. Really didn't want to. I was very happy being an assistant to the store managers because your hour commitment, your time commitment, went from about 50 to 60 hours to about 80 to 90 hours. That's just that, that you know, <laughs> no... No disrespect, no judgment. That's God's place with them. That's just how they approached their business. If you wanted to do it right, that's pretty much what it took. And then on the next level were the district managers, and they were putting in 100 to 120-hour weeks at times, if you can imagine that. But that is what it was. I had good friends who were district managers. I had good friends who were store managers. So um, I prayed about it. 
didn't really feel a piece to say no. So I said, sure, okay. Went to Sycamore Square, closed it down. Um, to my chagrin, I got raving reviews because I didn't want them. I wanted to go back to my family, and I wanted to go back to my 40-, 50-hour work week, quite honestly. And so I knew they were looking at me to look at other stores and to, to help run them. Now, this is going to cut against some people's grain maybe, but what I did was I took a few weeks, and I went around, and I talked to my store managers who were my friends at that time. And there's probably about, I don't know, 20, 30 of them around at that time. I talked to a bunch of them, and I said, hey, if you could go back in time and do anything different, what would you do? And the prolific answer was, I would spend more time with my family. I would spend more time with my wife. I would spend more time with my children. And so person after person after person, and these were people who I respected, same answer. And one guy put it so eloquently, he simply said, every family photo, I seem to be in either my Ucrops shirt or my Martin shirt. And he said, I just would do it differently, Brian. But you have to choose. So I sat down, wrote an email to my then district manager, and I said, um, <clears throat> hey, <laughs> you know, here's what I'm thinking. And I knew it probably wouldn't get the greatest response, and it didn't. And I just said, honestly, I enjoy being an assistant. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have closed this store for you and done what, you know, do, do, accomplish what we accomplished with it. And, um, you know, if it's all the same, I'd just love to go back to that assistant role. And, you know, if you could put me anywhere close to my home, that would be great too. So the response back was, and again, no disrespect, sounds like you don't want to be a salaried manager. So my response was, I'm going to trust God. And I just said, well, this is what's in my heart. So I got sent to a store called Carytown, and I went to Carytown. Carytown, friend of mine, we became friends who was running the store. We had a great time. We both were all about doing well while you have fun doing it, and we did great. And the greater you do, the more they, they want you to help them in the company itself and their situations. So we did so great that I got a um, – Steve, that was my store manager, asked me to come in the office. And he said, hey, they, they want to send you to – I'm not going to name it, but such and such a store. And I went, okay, all right, that's good. And I just, I just knew because uh, – been working with these guys for 20 years. I knew that um, that store was not in good shape. Um, people were about to lose their jobs in that store. They were friends of mine. And so here I am coming in with the American flag, like, hey, let's make everything good. But it was too far gone at that point. So anyway, long story short, to help transfer my point, it really became a survival-oriented environment. People were losing their jobs. One of my best friends lost his job. I had to watch it happen pretty much in front of me. I was the first one to get the phone call. Um, they announced, the company announced that they were closing in the area, and they told all my section managers, all, all my team, in eight months, we have nothing for you. So I had panic. I had fear. Great time to minister, but you're coming in this environment that is consumed with fear. It's consumed with me first survival, it's consumed with anxiety. It just, oh, it just seethed on you when you walked in there. And mature or not mature, it's still going to bother you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So 
saying all that to, to say that this is where the Lord really began to, it was like five or six years ago, download into me the necessity of knowing who I am. Know who you are, Brian. You don't have to quite be this way all the time. But then he began to really dialogue with me through my environment. And I'm just going to share my experience. If the experience doesn't match your faith, if the experience doesn't match your theology, that's okay. I can have scripture to support everything that I went through because that's where I lean to. But I'm not asking you to duplicate what I'm saying. I'm just here to encourage you closer and closer to oneness with God. And however that path is for you, because it's personal, in that oneness, that's what the heart of God is after, I believe, and that's where he's hovering over our church right now. There's many other things that he's doing, and there's many other things that he's saying, but the concept of oneness, I believe, is super-duper in his heart. I don't know a better way to communicate it or say it. So anyway, I began to um, dive into teaching. That's where I found Graham Cook. And the base of what I came through, I found in Colossians 1. So if you guys can put Colossians 1.17 up there. So the piece that I want to read in 17 is for everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him. And it finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And this is, this, is the, this is the piece of word that caught me. This is the piece of word that saved me. This is the piece of the word that rescued me. I can only go so far because the cameras, I've got to get another camera, so I can't. I want to walk over there, but I can't. I think it stops like right here, so that's why I'm kind of hanging here. But anyway, <laughs> so he was there, God was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it all together right up to this moment. Okay, so if he holds it all together, which I think we know if we all sat down and talked about it, then he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, because he's holding it all together. And here's what he began to do. He began to speak to me in so many different ways that I had never had my eyes open to. I was in pain. I was in pain for me. I was in pain for my family because... I was more separated from them, I think, than I was when I was the store manager. It took more hours at this store because of the intense environment that I was in. So, and I was in pain for my people because I loved the people who I led. I loved them. And I loved my family more. So, and my, one of my good friends, right in front, it's just, it was so painful. So the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, you know, Brian, I could stop this at any minute. I could pull you out at any minute. I could change it at any minute. But I want you to feel what you're feeling. Because in Hebrews 4, see if I can find it in my notes. I'll be in good shape if I do. Because I've got a lot of scripture. In Hebrews 4, 15, this is what he began to speak to me about. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and our infirmities and our liability to temptation. So he began to say, shared feeling, shared feeling, shared feeling, shared feeling. 
And I'd be like, I, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. I want out. Shared feeling, shared feeling, shared feeling. So he continued to minister that to me, and I just said, okay, okay. I knew I was hearing him, so I wasn't confused. I wasn't wondering, but then at the same time, well, not at the same time, after I went through it for a while, then he began to speak to me again, and he began to show me something different. I have to go back. Hang with me. If you guys can put up James 1. The shared feeling came to an end. The time for the shared feeling came to an end. The time to be, quite honestly, overwhelmed with the pain came to an end. The time to be overwhelmed with the difficulty came to an end. He holds it all together in his hands. He holds it all together. So he turned my world, and I'm just being real as rain with you guys because... This is what he continues to do in my life. But it was all changing then. And James 1 began to come into light. He says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, this is so cool. Your endurance will release. Now, that word perfection, it means maturity and wholeness. Your endurance will release maturity and wholeness into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So the way I understood it was I didn't turn my back on God. I didn't, I whined, absolutely. But I didn't whine enough to not hear him. I guess I could have more. But it came to a point where he just said, I'm turning this thing. I'm turning this thing. And the reason I'm turning it is because you're going to see who you are. You're not going to cry out to me and say, God, I know you'll get me through this. God, take me out of this. God, help me, help me, help me. He said, no, you're going to get out of this because you have the ability to get out of this. The time of your weakness is over. The time of your shared feeling is over. And why would you have... Why, why would you have a shared feeling? Why would he even, why would he even, why do that? Well, because other people who you meet are going to go through what you went through. You won't be arrogant to their pain. You won't be distant from their difficulty. That's that same high priest that we have who has a shared feeling and he can empathize. She asked me not to mention her, but oh well. My wife is so good at, at, at just empathy with people. So, and I'm just sitting there like, just tell them more truth. Tell, tell them something, you know, just something. Don't just, don't just hug them. Just tell them the truth, you know. But no, it's empathy. So going through that situation, and, and I can tell you countless people who have been in need of that difficulty that was deposited in me have gotten it from me because it was put in there by God. And then when that time was finished, and hear me carefully, that time was over, he then started to say, okay, from James 1, let that endurance that you've been through release everything in you. So now what do we do? If I, if I could flip back to Romans 1, I don't need to put it back up on the screen, but that initial verse I put up, it's the power of salvation to all who believe. David wanted to do something. He wanted to repay God. He wanted to lift up the cup. He wanted to do, do, do. 
But in the New Testament, in Romans 1, it simply says to all who believe. It's just asking us to believe. Now, I know I flipped out of where I am, but I'm going to get back into that story. And you see, in the Old Testament, shepherds, they got behind their sheep and they drove the sheep from from the rear of the flock. But Jesus in the New Testament, he says, I go before you and I lead you here and I lead you there. There's no more driving. There's just his leading. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So to go back to that Tom in Petersburg, I just said, okay. I just believed what he was telling me. There was a, it wasn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't exercise any spiritual muscle. There was just a grace to believe. And as I began to believe that I had the ability to get out, and I stepped out in thoughts and ideas that I had, not like, oh, God, give me an idea. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God. I just started going with what was in my heart. And as I jumped out on that platform and I jumped out on that level, it started working. And it was really good. And I was like, wow, the word works. The word works. And it seemed so distant to me because the pain was so high, the unbelievability of the circumstances were so high, the ridiculousness of the situation was so beyond me that by practicing the word and just dropping out with the wisdom I thought or what would solve here or solve there or do this, because I had to then run that store because that store manager, guess what? He was gone, not there anymore. So all this came together, and it produced a real prolific sense of oneness in my mind and in my heart. So the formula that got for me, again, this is personal. I want you to walk out with your personal concept of oneness with God, not mine. But the formula for me, not necessarily for you, that started working for me was don't worry about tough times, and it also applies to good times. Feel all that this life has to offer. Such a privilege. Just feel it. The good, the not so good, the ugly. Tell them I said hi. (laughs) The challenging, feel it. Because I believe your father is so in control, and I've had people go back and forth with me theologically, and I can give you every theological point to show just how in control he is. He will turn that dial when you have endured and you have felt that shared feeling and you have gained that shared feeling that Jesus Christ has. And when you've gained that in your heart, then you can rise above by enacting who you are in Jesus, by enacting that Jesus in you. Because you are in Jesus, Jesus is in you, You have that same spirit. The full deposit of the Godhead is in you. That's the oneness. In May, they talk about it in lengthy detail. And they've they've taught and sown it into people's hearts. So it just really rolls. This is the first time I've ever talked about it to a group, let alone to anybody, quite honestly. So having said that, we have the ability to drop right into life. And then we have the ability in Christ to rise above. When life is difficult, but we can rise above when life is pleasant and we can just really feel all of that joy, the happiness, the birthdays of your children, the graduations from schools or places that you've been to, to the beauty of nature. We can rise above and and just, just experience all that in such different levels and such greater levels. We don't have to be beaten down by the world. We just, we don't because that's not God's heart. So having said all that, there's a story of an eagle. The eagle 
is the only bird that does not fly away from a storm. Every other bird in nature created by God, they run for shelter. They fly for shelter. The eagle does not do that. It does one of two things. It either senses the storm before it comes, and it goes to a high place, the highest place it can go, and it rests and perches on a rock or a flat area, and it waits for the storm winds to come underneath its wings and lift it. Or if it flies into a storm and it's getting beaten down by rain, hail, snow, thunder, or lightning, or whatever is in that storm, it has, God has placed in the eagle, in its anatomy, in its bone structure of its wing, a locking mechanism. So when the wing goes out, a bone seals across this joint and it locks it in place. And the tendons lock into that seal area. And it gives it the ability to rise above the storm. So it just goes. When it does that, the violent winds come and push it up. The eagle doesn't flap. The eagle soars. So as the eagle rises above that storm, it can now look at that storm from a whole different perspective. The only thing it really has to contend with is the brilliance of the sun. The eagle also has, underneath its eyelid, a translucent membrane that when it comes in contact with the heat of the sun, the translucent membrane comes down and just like a shade, like a window shade, and just covers the pupil and the eye so that it can look right into the sun and it can fly straight into the sun. So much like us, we have that ability. We have that ability to be in the storm, We have that ability to be in happiness in good times, but we also have that ability to even experience it on a whole different level, a more pure fellowship level with God, okay? That's oneness. That took me way longer than I wanted it to. (laughs) Anyway, that's not the point of the sermon or the message. Sorry. The, the, The point of the message is that There is one word I'm going to talk about, and this one word will help you to go through these storms, to go through these good times, experience them naturally, that's what I'm really saying, and experience them spiritually. So this one word is in a Harvard Business Review. They did a study on this word because it was so prolific. And here's what they found out. The definition of this word is it means to draw air into the lungs, the inhaling of air, and also the act of breathing into anything. It also means to communicate divine instructions to the mind. Now here comes the study that Harvard did. Here's the introduction that was written on the results from the study. And it was six years ago. This one word awakens us to new possibilities by allowing us to transcend our ordinary experiences and limitations. It propels a person from unlikelihood to possibility, and it transforms the way we perceive our own capabilities. It may sometimes be overlooked because of its elusive nature. This word propels a person from disconnection to possibility and therefore connection. This word is directly linked with the heights of human motivation. It awakens us to better possibilities. This word can take the form of a vision or the seeing of something that may have always been there in an individual's environment anyway. 
Compared to being in an, in an enthusiastic and an excited state, people who entered this state reported greater levels of spirituality and also of meaning in their life. This word is more related to an awakening to something new, better, or more important, and a transcendence of one's previous concerns. Since creativity involves seeing possibility beyond existing constraints, this word is seen as the springboard for creativity. Patent holding inventors, I thought of you, being connected with this word more frequently and intensely than non-patent holders, and the higher the frequency of connection, the higher number of patents they held, and they, they attribute it to this word. Finally, in the study, individuals associated with this word reported experiencing more purpose and meaning in their lives, and therefore more genuine gratitude of and for their lives. So, what's the word? Well, pretty simple word. Inspiration. That's the word on God's heart. Now, how does it work in this message and how does it work in our body? I believe God's hovering over our body. And again, when you walk out of these doors, it's so important what you believe. So important what you believe. I believe He's hovering over our body, and he is actively at work through his Holy Spirit establishing oneness. Actively at work through his Holy Spirit establishing unity with him. Actively at work with his Holy Spirit trying to get us to understand who we really are in Christ anyway and act on those things. And I believe in doing that, he's also using inspiration more and more, and more to come up alongside our experience with him. The greater our eyes are awakened to inspiration, the greater our eyes are awakened to how to access inspiration, we not only become inspired, but we become an inspiration to others. And I believe that's where he's taken us. I believe that's where he wants us to be. Tristan, right? I have a word for you. don't mean to stop like that, but i got to speak when I'm supposed to speak. I can't go past the three seats, sorry. <laughs> Tristan. Hmm. I'm going to tell you what God sees in you. I believe he sees an entrepreneur. I believe he sees someone who is willing to be trained by others. But I believe he's saying to you today, my son, in your training, I'm making you who you really are anyway. And in that realm of business and in that place of the marketplace, I want to use you, says God. I want to establish not only my righteousness and my holiness through you, says God, but I want to use you as a springboard for others to connect with this community, to connect with their communities. You are my base man, says God. You are the platform I want to build on, says God. And I've given you intelligence and I've given you wittiness, and I've given you an accurate and a sharp mind to build these things for me, says God. That's for you, brother. So, with inspiration coming along side of us, and with oneness being cultivated in our body, I believe that as we honestly, I don't usually advocate speakers or anything, but I've been so touched 
by this guy's teachings, Chris Blackaby. He's coming in May. I would encourage you to look into him. I would encourage you, you can Google him on YouTube. He has a vast hold of oneness, and there's treasure in there, man. There's stuff I want to talk about that I don't really have a piece to talk about, but there is a treasure trove in there. And this guy is, he's in love with God, and he's got a real grip on who he is in God, too. So there's, there's much more to share today, <laughs> but I want to keep it within a, in, a, in a right realm. So what I want to do is I want to take inspiration, and I want to show it actively. It'll take about five, ten more minutes, and then we'll be on our way. So if you guys can put up the Leonard Ravenhill video, it's about four minutes. The reason I want Leonard to speak instead of me is because he had an experience with God. And I think it's better when people speak from their own experience instead of someone speaking of someone's experience. from my notes so he took Peter, Jacob and John with him into the garden an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deeper sorrow and agony and he said to them my heart is overwhelmed and it is crushed with grief as though I'm dying stay here and keep watch with me then he walked a short distance away Overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and he prayed, My father, if there's any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Other versions say, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass away from me. We're one, but we always have a father. We have oneness in us. We have the spirit of God in us, but we always have the father. My father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me. My father, if there's any way, get me out of this, is another version. Yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. And then an angel from heaven was dispensed and appeared to strengthen him. Later he came back to his three disciples, and he found them all sound asleep. He awakened Peter. They didn't have CDs. They didn't have tapes. They didn't have the stuff that we have. They were, start, they were still figuring out if he was really the son of God and who said he was. So they're asleep and he said to them, do you lack the strength to stay awake with me for even just an hour? Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing. You should have learned by now. Here it is again. Oneness. The difference between the soul and the five senses and the very spirit of God that has been deposited in us should have learned by now that your spirit is eager enough but your humanity is weak 
and he left them for a second time to pray in solitude. And he said to his father, my father, if there's not a way that you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. Other versions again, my father, if there's no other way than this, drinking this cup to the settling, I'm ready. Let's do it your way. My father, if this cannot pass by unless I drink it, your will be done. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So he came back to the disciples and he found them sound asleep, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he left them and he went away to pray the same prayer for the third time. And when he returned again to his disciples, he awoke them again, saying, Are you still sleeping and resting? Don't you know the hour has come for the Son of Man to be handed over to the authority of sinful men? So let's get up now and let's go together. So why this scripture? Why Leonard Ravenhill? Because they're inspiring. They're not just inspiring when times are tough. They're inspiring to enjoy the great times, the family gatherings, the high school graduations, the birthdays, the walk when you were a year and a half old. Inspiration is such a big part of our walk with God. What I wanted to say in closing was not only will that inspiration, I believe, our eyes will be more and more and more awakened to inspiration. We'll have access to inspiration. We'll know how to look for inspiration. We'll know how to be an inspiration to others more and more and more. But that inspiration is totally necessary to help us understand who we really are in God as we step out and trusting Him that everything is deposited in us. But yet, you know, the ultimate inspiration for me in my walk with God, 30-whatever years, the ultimate inspiration for me has been that he went through all this. And this is secondary, I'm sure, to the painful death that he experienced on the cross. But it wasn't his death that caught my attention when I studied. It was Eloi, Eloi, Laba. Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what got my attention was that God, you know, it is, yeah, do right. Yeah, don't sin. Yeah, yeah, yes. Heard that all my life. But you know, God isn't so focused in on do right. God is focused in on, I don't want to be separated from you. Not for even a second. Not for even two seconds. I just don't want to be separated from you. And I've done all this. My son suffered in the garden. My son cried out to me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that was the first time they were ever separated. Ever. And the last time they would ever be separated. He built you. He, he, he created you to have fellowship with him. And you have the ability to maintain fellowship with him at all times. This isn't a go and do message. This isn't a performance message. This isn't a get it right message. It's just an awareness that that ability is within you. And as you keep walking with him and you choose to get up in the morning with him and you choose to receive his inspiration and you choose to embrace him and even in our in our failings and our droppings and our missing, he just wants to reconnect. He just wants to reestablish that fellowship with you because he loves you. 
And that's what love does. Love wants connectivity, doesn't it? Love wants to stay together, doesn't it? Love doesn't want to break away. Love wants to have that shared feeling with you. And this is what's been on my heart to share with our family. Be encouraged. More and more and more inspiration is coming your way. I'll even say, says God, be encouraged because I'm taking this body into more unity and more unity with me. Be encouraged because I would say, even as we sang two weeks ago, all I want is you. All I see is you. You're going to more and more and more and more see God all around you. You're not going to just see people. You're not going to just see nature. You're not going to just see your workplace. You're not going to just see this physical world. You're going to see God peeking out from this world at you and smiling at you and loving you. He's going to come out from shadows that you haven't seen before. He's going to come out, Jamie, from dark places, and he's going to resurrect you. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made in the past. He's going to set you free because you're going to see him more and more and more. There's a saying about seeing the forest through the trees. You're just going to see God more and more and more. That's what's on my heart to tell you. So be of good cheer because you don't have to work for this unity. You don't have to get it right for this unity. You just have to stay with him and stay in step with him and talk and walk with him. Because that's what he created us for. You know, Enoch was translated. And one of my first pastors who helped build this church... Jim Hardwick, he used to preach and say, you know, it says that Enoch walked and walked and walked with God until he was no more. Well, Jim would say, Enoch walked and walked with God, and they walked and walked and walked together until God looked at Enoch, sorry, and he said, hey, let's go to my house because we're closer. Let's not go to your house. And he just took him. Be encouraged. Your environment is about to change. Might not change, boom, big, like that. But bit by bit, stroke by stroke, to the essence and to the ability that God knows that we can handle. He's going to stretch the environment out, and you're going to see him. You're going to see him in the child who's missing. You're going to see him in the relatives who you can't connect with yet. You're going to see him on the highways and the byways of this life. Not just in your quiet time, but you're going to begin to see him peek out at you and smile and embrace you. And in seeing him, you're going to see who you are really in Christ. Because he's going to give you opportunities to step out and simply believe that he set up this situation. He set up your work environment. He set up your home and your family environment for you to be who you are in God. And even if you don't think it's who you should be in God or you're having confusion about it, he's saying, go ahead and take a chance. Because I'm so big, it just doesn't matter. I'm so loving, it just doesn't matter. And as you keep taking these chances and you keep stepping out on who you perceive yourself to be, he's got you because he loves you. You know what? I'll say it again. Every time I get to speak, I just fall in love more and more with you guys. I honestly do. I look at you and my heart just gets bigger and the depth of my commitment just gets bigger because it's such a natural process with God. I'm so thankful to be able to do this. So thankful. I waited 30 years and every every day of it was worth it. I used to preach to the lake. I used to preach to the squirrels. 
I used to preach to myself in the car because I knew I was called. And it's not my strength, trust me. Standing up here in front of people doesn't come easy for me. Standing up in front of people can sometimes downright petrify me. But that doesn't matter. What matters is I take my steps with him. And as I take my steps with him, I become more and more acquainted with who I really am. I love you guys. Have a great day. If anybody wants to come up for prayer, come on up. Thank you.